Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to quickly apologize because my audio doesn't sound the greatest. It doesn't sound terrible. You can still hear me and you can make everything out, um, but it is a little bit distorted and, uh, you know, the majority might not even realize that there's anything wrong with it. Um, but if you're like me, you'll probably notice a little bit of distortion and it it's it could be a little annoying. I tried my best to fix it and you'll probably be able to hear that it is processed a lot. Um, but that's just... This is what you get. This is this is the this was the first episode that I had recorded. I didn't do it in my studio, and I did it with some new equipment that I had bought, and I just didn't have a way to reference the audio in real time. So that's kind of the result that I got. My two guests, they sound fine, um, and none of this is going to take away from the content of today's show. It's a great one, so stick around and enjoy it, guys. God bless you, and I only tell you this because I care about you, and I wanted to apologize. All right. Let's get into it. Hey, what's up, guys? This is John Ryan Kane, too, and this is Leading the Christian Leadership Podcast. You better tell me after this. All right, what's up, guys? Um, with me here in the studio, which is really just a room with some mics in it, is uh, my good friend Milton Gardado and Abraham Guajardo. A.K.A. Milton G. Yeah. Uh, man. <laughs> Why are your names so hard to say, bro? It's Guardado, bro. It's like when you put something up. Guardado. It's like when you treasure something. What do you do? Lo guardas. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Amen. It's because I'm, you know, my Spanish isn't that great, so uh, it's kind of hard to say. Y'all's names are pretty similar. Speaking of... Um, similar, Abraham, bro. Every everywhere we go, people think we're we're brothers. <laughs> we are the only white complected Hispanic kids in Houston, Texas. Make, That's not true, but it, it feels like it is. Yeah, I know. Everywhere at least we go, in the, at least in the de Dios. Everywhere we go, and people don't even ask like if he's my brother. Some they they just, they just assume. assume they're like, yeah. hey, I was talking to your brother. And I'm like, who's, <laughs> who's my brother? I don't even have a brother. Oh man, it's. Did it, they ever confuse you with me or no? No, not no, <laughs> not really, man. Uh, but uh, well, I still hope, I still hope. But guys, thank you so much for for being here, man. I, I really appreciate you guys. I wanted to have you guys um, on one of these first episodes um, that I wanted to do. Y'all's names came up, and I was like, man, I have to have these these two guys on. Uh, so so thank you for, uh, for being here. Um, Thanks for having us, man. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, man. Um, I, I grew up with. With you guys, um, Milton. I mean, you're you're a little bit older, <laughs> but I, I still maybe I, maybe know, like two or three years I, or I, something. I think. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I, we grew up uh, new, knowing each other, and um, before we get anything started, I, I just want to kind of get some introductions, you know, out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of tell our, our listeners what what you guys got going on, what you're what you're doing, um, maybe your relationship with you know with with ministry, doing ministry mm-hmm. in the past. Um, just talk about that for for a little bit. We can start with with Milton G. Yeah, well, you know, I grew up in Houston, north side of Houston. I went to a church called Mike Diel. So me and uh, me and AB went to the same church. He was a baby when I when I was there, and uh, <laughs> and so from there I went to a Bible school here in Houston. Uh, after I graduated in two thousand four, went to uh, work with Impact Now, with Pastor Mike Fernandez. Corner, he's at Cornerstone right now, and uh, was there. I was assistant director for five years with Impact Now. After that. I got a position in as a youth pastor in Laredo, Texas, with ICM. Uh, 
I was a junior high pastor there for a couple of years, did a lot of mentoring, discipling, went to, uh, went to uh, Galveston, took a position in Galveston to be closer to home. And I worked as a youth pastor there with uh, Pastor David Gomez with uh, New Life Fellowship. Um, I was there for seven years. In 2017, God, I just felt God called me to, to go pastor a church. And in Houston, the truth is that, you know, I had been coming to Houston a couple times. And I saw a lot of my, my friends that I grew up with in at funerals. And okay. that's, what, that's where God kind of started tugging at my heart, saying, man, you know, there's got to be a better place to meet up instead of a funeral. And I don't want to go to more funerals without my friends knowing about Jesus. And, mm-hmm. and the truth is that I've invited my friends to go to churches that are in the area, and they, they haven't really connected well with them. And so, so in 2017, you know, after, after a long journey, God said, it's time to go home and came to Houston and started planning a church. I started the process of planning a church, and uh, in in 2018 we started meeting in homes and uh, and just kind of doing home services. And just recently, three weeks ago, we we rent, we're renting a studio, a small nice. studio where we're starting to meet. Um, the name of the church is Forever Church, nice. and uh, just comes from the idea that when uh, when when God calls us into relationship, it's meant to last forever. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just a seasonal thing; it's not just something you do on Sundays. Um, it's a forever thing, and so that's where the the vision of Forever Church comes from. That's awesome, bro. Awesome, man. Yeah, I, I love what you're what you're doing, man. I I remember you, you came to uh, visit my my church. Uh, I think it was like last year. Yeah. You kind of shared the vision mm-hmm. with me and and uh, what you're doing. I, I know you're very uh, focused on on discipleship, which is awesome. Yeah. And uh, you know that's that's kind of a that's kind of you know the the whole purpose of of this whole podcast. We is, went to uh, go eat at Culture Club afterwards. Great place, <laughs> culture club. What? The is what is the breakfast club? Breakfast club. <laughs> okay, well, culture club. What's, what's the culture oh, club? Man. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> oh man. Hey, I, I remember uh, my first memories of of you, bro. Um, I know you did. I mean, you have you know you have a resume, bro. You have a you have quite the resume when when it comes to uh, ministry. But my first memories of you was like back in youth camp and the youth convention. Yeah. Um, as, as as like the translator. Yeah. Like the translator for every speaker. There was we, no other translator but me, and that was one of the commandments that God said down. There shall be no other translator but Milton G. Bro, you did it like it was an art, bro. <laughs> like like normally, you know, translators they just kind of stand in the back and they just kind of repeat yeah. everything that the preacher says. It's like what where's that voice? You know, from? There, there's a few translators. Like the, I think the one translator that's always kind of stood out as one of the best translators, uh, Pastor Jr. He's, oh yeah, yeah. so he's great. one of the ones that I've always looked up to as a kid, you know, yeah. and he's always great. And I don't, my Spanish is not that great either. But you know, one of the things when I started traveling with Pastor Mike was I always carried a, I always carried a Spanish to English dictionary or English to Spanish dictionary, and when I didn't know a word, I would mark it on the uh, on the notes, mm-hmm. and that's how I try to yeah. try to translate with that. Yeah. And so it, it, it was awesome, bro. It was, uh, kept, we had a good time. Kept, kept everyone kind of. Engage, you know, both audiences, you know, when you're when you're listening to to the preacher and I say it's in English, mm-hmm. you know, everyone's getting like that first, yeah. you know, that first hand word. Yeah. And, and then kind of it, it kind of gets lost a little bit in that translation because yeah. like there's no dynamic there. But you treated it just like you were yeah. like, you, were, you know, pre- preaching in it. I remember you yeah. would the preacher would take a sip of his water. You take the sip of your water. And, you know, <laughs> I he, had to translate the sip. Yeah, bro. It was awesome, bro. <laughs> just like an art. Everything you do. Yeah. Gold, bro. I appreciate it. Man. Uh, what about what about you, A.B.? I, I remember. You know, we we started playing together in a band when uh, I remember being in uh, ninth grade. I was a freshman. That's kind of when I got to to know you and and uh, your family. And um, you know, we kind of we kind of lost touch a little bit for for a few years, and then we reconnected again. 
Um, and you're doing some, I mean, you're doing some crazy things right now, bro. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, man. Well, first of all, thanks uh, for even having me on here. I don't do podcasts normally. <laughs> I'm typically at home with my wife eating um, either chicken or um, anything Russian that she decides to make for that oh, day. Nice. My wife is Russian. But uh, man, I'm, I'm excited to be here. So what thank you so much. To? She's rushing. Oh, uh, I thought like she was rushing, like wow. going somewhere fast. We'll oh. edit that out. That's a terrible <laughs> joke. Uh, but anyways, I, I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much for yeah, having bro. me, man. But um, yeah, I, I'll, I'll keep it really short. I'll try to keep it as short as possible. But um, basically, you know, I'm a church boy. I grew up in the church, and uh, uh, the only white complected kid in my church specifically. Mm, and <laughs> it was a little difficult growing up in that culture because you know uh, the American. Uh, person would say well you know you kind of have an accent you know you're not necessarily an american person <laughs> and then the hispanic would say well you don't really look like us um so i was always kind of in the middle and kind of mm -hmm. confused and you know what is god called me to do specifically and i remember um for one of the services at the church and this is typical for a hispanic church but if there's no musician that shows up well guess who's up either the pastor's kid or the you know the other members of the church that are very involved in the church and that was me uh, mom and dad would open the church and they were there all the time and next thing you know they needed a drummer for um, one of the services and the drummer didn't show up and there I am drumming away uh, so, and even in that moment I, I'm not the drummer or, or the musician that you can say you know I remember a time where I just um, I was I, I was I wasn't the drummer that was hitting the pots and the pads right there's this uh -huh. little drummer that you say oh yeah he's been hitting the pots and pads yeah, yeah. that was not me oh. at all uh, you know drumming came at a later age uh, being the musician came at a later age which now I, I was able to realize that it was a tool that God was using. Mm -hmm. um, at the time, I didn't know. You know, I started you know playing drums, which led to me saying, you know, am I supposed to do music full time? Am I supposed to invest in that? Um, and just kind of confused, really. Just didn't really know what to do. But long story short, I ended up uh, doing social work for a little bit, and then I went right. to the police academy, and then after the police academy, I went to Bible school, and then after Bible school, I ended up saying, you know what, God, what do you want to do? which led me to an opportunity now that I've been youth pastoring now for the, nice. uh, the past 10 months. And I'll tell you, it's the most fulfilling thing when you're walking out your purpose and when yeah. you're doing what God has called you to do, right. which is to serve people really and lead them to uh, draw uh, closer to him and, and have a relationship with him. Yeah. So that's, that's a little bit about it. That's awesome, man. And, and, um, Dude, you're an awesome drummer, bro. So yeah. you, you're not drumming that much anymore? No, I, I actually drum with, uh, there's a label and it's called Woodlands Music. And they're the only ones that I really drum with, um, okay. just with them. But other than that, I am not drumming at all. Yeah. Uh, Dude, you come from a, like a, a family of, of musicians, like, yeah. like myself, right? Absolutely. I mean. Yeah, so dad um, dad had a Tejano banner for a little bit. He played. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys don't know what Tejano band, it's basically Spanish country is what it is. Spanish, That's all it is. Spanish, what is it? Spanish polka? Is Spanish that polka. <laughs> dad played accordion, and nice. uh, he was a musician, and... My brother plays bass, and my sister Blanca, she sings. So it was a musician. Of I wanted it. I wanted to be the cowbell guy, but they didn't let me be part of the band. They didn't band, let you so. in. They didn't let you in. Yeah. <laughs> I barely got in, bro. When I was when I uh, tried out for the keys, they're like, I guess, I guess we need a we need another uh, light complexed guy to balance it out. <laughs> no man, it's awesome. Uh, yeah, uh, but it's all, it's awesome, guys. What you guys are doing, and I know y'all have a heart for ministry, and um, I mean, I've been doing it for for a long time, and y'all know. Y'all know about it. Y'all know the ins and outs about it. And um, so, you know, the, the reason that I wanted to uh, bring you guys on here today is because I, I know that you guys come um, from, you know, uh, a church that 
uh, Abe, Abe, your mom was a pastor. Yeah. And she, well, she still, still is, is, still yeah, is yeah, a pastor. Still right. And, um, so that church, it's, it's been, I, I mean, I've never been there before, but, um, I know it's kind of a, it's not like a huge, huge church, right? It's no, a, it's, it's kind of a smaller church. I, I know Milton, you've, you've ministered in, in, uh, um, you've kind of been involved in, in, in pastored mm-hmm. some smaller churches and um, stuff like that. Um, and and now you're kind of involved with you know, some some bigger ministries, right? right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, you guys know a little bit about you know um, the differences between some of the smaller churches yeah. and and the bigger churches. And so today's discussion is um, small church problems. Um, and I think we could probably spend, I mean, we could probably spend hours talking about yeah. all, all the problems that that's small churches uh, face. Um, but that's kind of what I want to, you know, it's been on my heart uh, for for a few months, man. Um, you know, and esti- it, it's estimated that about 100 to 200 churches, you know, will shut down their doors this mm. this week. Um, and that's that's every week, man. And these are these are smaller churches. I yeah. mean, the, you know, the big mega churches, the thriving churches, they're not. I mean, they're not going anywhere right now. Yeah. It's it's these churches that have been around for so many years, decades, and I and I can attest to you know this type of church because my church has been around for like eighty years, right. um, so many years, right? But kind of never breaking out of of a certain mold. And mm-hmm. I, I kind of started asking myself, man, because I started seeing all these church plants going up around the city, and it, it's awesome what God's doing in our city, right? Um, but they're, they're thriving, man, and like. Two two years into it, I mean, you got these churches that are like, I mean, they're, they're they're planning more churches, and I'm thinking to myself, dude, why haven't these smaller churches, these these churches that have been around for decades, why haven't we mm-hmm. been able to get uh, to that to that level? Um, because you know, these are the churches that are eventually gonna kind of just mm-hmm. phase out, and that's yeah. you know, to me, that's that's kind of mm-hmm. sad because. Yeah. Um, you know, my, my grandfather pastored this church. My, my dad pastored this church. Now I'm pastoring this church. And I have a lot of friends um, who, who, you know, they, they, they attend these smaller churches. And, um, and it's a real problem. And, and b- before I, I get y'all's insight, I, I, wanna, I do want to say when I, when I say small churches, I'm not just talking about numbers. Um, you know, I, I know that there's some small churches that want to stay small for like mm-hmm. strategic reasons. I, I know some some pastors who they like to keep it small so that they're discipling their members and yeah. then their members are going out and they're doing greater things. And, and mm-hmm. then they're bringing another group of people. And, and that's just kind of um, that's kind of their M.O. Right. Yeah. Um, but when, when I say uh, small churches, I'm referring to more of a, a small church like mentality. Um, so, so like my definition of a small church mentality is one that does not place enough value on the growth of, of their Mm -hmm. members. Um, and and we see, we see this as a problem, you know, people come in Sunday after Sunday and kind of just get their fill. And, um, there, there's no importance on discipleship, outreach, you know, evangelism, serving their community. It's kind of Mm -hmm. all just about, you know, me. Yeah. And, um, so I, I mean, am I going crazy here, or is, no, it, is this an, uh, is this sense. a real problem? I mean, what, what do you what do you guys think? Because it's been bothering me for a while. You know, for, first I, I will tell you that you know, in in every position that I've been so far before I started planning a church, I've always held um, a youth pastor position. So you know, it, you know, even at my old church when I first started, you know, it was kind of a youth director position, and it's never and so. I, I, I can't speak from, I guess, from authority in a place where 
someone is leading a church of that scale or that mindset. But um, I will talk about the mindset that I feel like it's it's it seems to be a problem, you know, kind of currently with everyone, with a lot of the churches that are similar, facing similar things. And you know, honestly, I think I think one of the big problems that I see is is uh, well, there's a few. One, there's a lack of transparency, you know, in the church, whether it's with finances, you know, finances aren't disclosed, they're not. They're not allowed for people to see them. People, you know, people with small church mentality, they they have this closed in mentality where only a few people can know about what's going on with finances and not everyone. Another thing is probably the the transparency, this this idea. And, and it, this one is not just a small church mentality. I feel like this is a church mentality okay. that that if people don't adapt and don't change, even mega churches are going to shut down if they don't change, and that's transparency of the of the leader running the church. I feel like I feel like sometimes we have to. I feel like sometimes we have to portray this superhero mentality uh, for the pastor, where the pastor has to act like he's he has it together, like he's this perfect human being. And and what ends up happening is that we give people this this false expectation of what it is to be a Christian. And the truth is that. Man, none of us are perfect. I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've been in ministry. If you don't guard your heart, any one of us can fall. Any if we put ourselves in the wrong situation, anyone any any one of us can fail. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the Bible talks about David. You know, David is an example of that. You know, the Bible says that in times when 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 men would go to war, when kings would go to war, David what did he do? He stayed behind, and. And then he he had a temptation and he put himself and it's because he he put him, he wasn't in the in the right situation yeah um, and I feel like he didn't guard his heart he didn't he wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing and so um, a lot of us you know any one of us are or can can fail if we don't guard our heart if we don't um, surround ourselves with wise people if we don't mm-hmm. if we're not accountable um, and and something that we've been trying to preach at our church is that we need to be in transparency. As a pastor, I want to be in transparency because the truth is that it's better to be preventive than corrective. And so if I can be in a group with a group of fellas that can that can help hold me accountable, even if I'm the pastor, but I can talk about my issues, I can talk about my struggles, I can talk about things that are going on, then they can speak into something before it happens. They can help me say, Pastor, there's some look, we're noticing some trends here. This is something I dealt with last year. And they can be preventive rather than me messing up, in which I've seen a lot, is pastors that have messed up and there's this hidden secret in front of everybody's eyes. And everybody knows, but you know, the pastor keeps it locked down and it's a mm-hmm. secret and it's like this, yeah. you know, this 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 elephant in the room that no one wants to talk about. And it's the truth is that we're not perfect people, man. We need to talk about what we're struggling with. We need to talk about our, you know, our, our insufficiencies and, and, and be able to be, to talk about what's going on in our lives. And so, so those are two things that I see. I don't know, Abraham, what do you? Yeah, the, well, the small church um, topic is a, you know, it's a broad topic, but Very. I'll, I'll dial into the things that I feel like I have personally gone through. Yeah. Um, you know, I grew up in a Hispanic community. Mm-hmm. Um where we never questioned what the man on stage was saying, right? Right. Uh, we grew up in a culture where it was like, if he's saying it, it's most likely to be because he's spent time with God and he's yeah. able to deliver a message and we're going to receive it and we're not going to verify if it's good or not. Yeah. We're just going to say, yeah. sure. That's true. Yeah, that's I true. think that's what, even though your heart's telling you, okay, I think that's kind of off, but this generation, it's like, oh yes. that's, that's, that's out the picture. You can't do that anymore mm-hmm. because... 
actually it comes to the point where it's happened before where if you say something off someone in the crowd's going to call you out yeah they're say actually what you're saying is very off yeah. it's not sound doctrine mm -hmm. um so we're in a very you know in a time where everybody's educated the information mm -hmm. age everybody yes. knows what's right what's wrong everybody knows what you're supposed to say what you're not supposed to say so it's a difficult time to minister however i like it because now it brings accountability yeah uh, before there was no accountability in that area it was just like he said it I think we're going to follow this. Mm -hmm. um, I'll say that. And then I'll also say um, I grew up in a culture where I've always had a heart for the creative, whatever that looked like. I remember um, going to the mall with my mom and my sister and um, we would choose outfits. I was talking about this earlier today in lunch, but we wouldn't choose like a shirt or socks. We would choose outfits. That's that's the uh, repercussion mm -hmm. of growing up with oh, a yeah. sister yeah. and being with a mom all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so it, all that to say that I always had this like, you know, I, I loved fashion. I loved uh, just anything to anything to bring people together. And usually it was fashion or if it was like creating a space, if it was fixing a room up. I just had a passion for it. I remember, you know, getting really excited to just move the couch mm. with my mom. Um, so ever since like a young age, I remember being eight years old and just getting excited to even move things at the house. I just had like heart for the creative, mm -hmm. for creating a space where people can come and feel welcome. Yeah. And I try to do that at the church that I grew up at. And because there wasn't an understanding of the creative, the creative was outside of the church. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. You can't be creative. We do this a certain way. You right. can't bring. I remember when I suggested we bring lights to the church and they were kind of like, there's no way. You know, lights is only at concerts. There's no way you can ever bring a light in here. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I was just kind of like, are you serious? Like, we can't bring a light. Because I was just thinking of, you know, let's bring a better setting. Let's. I had these ideas even at a young age. And even then it was like frowned upon. Ten years later, the church caught up. And now every church has yeah. some type of light. Mm -hmm. Now we're going back right. to the basics, right? Yeah. No lights. Let's yeah. do the simple setup, whatever. But you think about those things and how behind we are. Mm -hmm. And if we could just make room and truly ask Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, you know, is this right? Is this of you? And if it is, you make room for it. Yeah. And um, you get accustomed to that, right? The message doesn't change. Right. The method does. Yes. Right. Um, so right. that's you, you, my small you, Yeah, and, and, and I think that a lot of people, they hold on to, like you have, you have the mission, right? The mission is to win people and disciple. That's our mission. That's what Jesus called us to, to go and preach the gospel and make disciples, right? Now, the strategy is how? How are we going to execute this, right? What happens to a lot of churches is that they fall in love more with the strategy than the mission. And so they fall in love more with the programs. They fall in love more with, with tradition. With, and that's where the tradition comes from. That's why a lot of, a lot of people that grew up in traditional Spanish churches, mm -hmm. we, we're trying to change that now because we want to fall in love more with the mission rather than the strategy. And we're willing to make changes that yeah, yeah, our, yeah. our previous predecessors didn't do. And so a lot of people fall in love with strategy rather than what the mission is. And so that's why a lot of people, you know, they have ineffective Sunday schools, you know, and I don't have a problem with Sunday schools. There's some churches that are doing Sunday school and doing it well. The pro, the questions that you need to do is you need to make assessments. Is this being, is this, is, you know, what are some measurables? Is this being successful? Right. And so there's some church. If you're, if you're having success with Sunday school, keep doing it. And I'm not just trying to target Sunday school. I'm yeah, using yeah. that as an example because a lot of people fight for Sunday school. Right. And for a long time, they fought for it. Now people are starting to move away from it and starting to say, but I feel like, again, they're not moving away from it because 
they've prayed for it or that's part of the plan. Yeah. They're moving away from it because, well, no one else is doing Sunday school. My, my whole thing is this, that you need to go back to what the mission is to make disciples. Why do we do Sunday school, right? What's yeah. the, what was the yeah, purpose yeah. of Sunday school? Sunday school was to teach the Bible. Well, if we're not being, if we're not being successful with doing it on Sunday mornings, yeah. can we still teach the Bible but do it differently, right? And yeah. so we're not changing the mission, we still want to teach the Bible. We still want to get, make disciples. But can we change the strategy? Right, you know, and right, so I yeah. think that's another that's problem good. is that people fall in love with the strategy. T.D. Jake said, you can't be married to a system at the cost of the next generation. Mm. You know, mm. you got to you got to get that's, rid that's of so that. Good. That's really good. Yeah. You got to get rid of, you mm. know, being married to a system because it worked at one point. Yes. Yeah. And, and I feel like and it goes and it ties back into what you're talking about, the small church mentality that at one point. I believe that God did speak to these pastors, right? Yeah. And, and not that he doesn't speak now, but we're kind of not open anymore to what mm. God wants to do, yeah. right? God does something new every single day. And we stop asking Holy Spirit to guide us. Holy Spirit, what do you want today? Is it for me to step down as a 75-year-old pastor? Yeah. Is, it for, is it for me to you know invest in the next generation and have someone else kind of step up? That's not my son, you know, because yeah. it doesn't always have to be the son. That's another mm. thing, like... I think we grew up in a culture where it's like, well, I did it. You have to do it. It's not yeah. an it's not an inheritance that you can just give to someone. It's not mm -hmm. a personal kingdom. It's God's kingdom. It's God's and kingdom. And you right. don't give it to the person that has your last name. You give it to the person who's next. Yeah. The person you've prepared a discipleship mentality. And I and I get that. There, that's what that's another reason that we have a lot of failed churches because we have failed leaders. You know, yeah. and so yeah, yeah. it does rise on leadership. You now, know. You know. Um. I, I was just elected. Uh, pastor, lead pastor of our of our mm. church, and um, you know that that goes after years of me kind of resisting yeah. and, and not thinking that it was ever going to happen. Um, and you know, I I do come from a, kind of a lineage of of pastors. Yeah. A lot of people in my family were pastors, and my dad was a pastor, and and um, you know, so I never wanted to be a pastor just because you know mm. it was expected of yeah. me because that's that's a terrible reason, right? Yeah. Um, and so. Um, you know, I, I eventually started feeling that that tug uh, towards pastoralship, and and uh, I, I tell my church, you know, I, um, you know, that this is God because I don't even really want to be here, you yeah. know. And I'm just kind of straight up with yeah, him yeah, like yeah. that. But it's like I feel like pastoralship it shouldn't be, um, it's not an occupation, you know. Yeah, it's not a career definitely. choice. It, it's a it's a calling. That's good. And um, I remember uh, it was a few weeks ago. Um, I had to speak, you know, kind of had to give like an acceptance, yeah. you know, type of speech kind of deal. Um, and, you know, our church, we have a lot of, I've been pastoring the English uh, congregation for about four years. So we have a lot of uh, younger people, mm -hmm. but we still kind of have the, the traditional, um, some of the older people um, in, in our Spanish congregation. And so I had to kind of speak a little bit to, to them. And uh, I said, um, church, I just want to let you know that I'm, I'm not my dad. And... Um, I'm not my, my grandpa because I remember seeing when my dad became the pastor, everyone started comparing him to the last mm. pastor and oh well, we used to do things this way and, yeah. and, and pastor, you know, so-and-so did things like this. Um, and so I just, I was very straight up. I was like, I want you to know I am not my dad. I'm not my grandpa. I'm, I'm, I'm me, but you know, God doesn't call us to be different versions mm. of, of people in the past. He yeah. calls, he calls originals. Right. And, and so I want to kind of go back. Good. That's I want good. to go back to your point, man, because um, I, I do think that the, the, the trend that I'm seeing here mm -hmm. from, from y'all's answers is um, a lot of these small churches kind of stay small because they're stuck in, in, in a certain 
um, traditional yeah. type of mindset where they, yeah. they kind of don't want to let go. Um, and I think that is drawing a lot of the younger people away and the sure. younger people are sure. starting to grow up and they're, they're mm -hmm. adults now. And, yeah. and so that's why we're kind of seeing, um, a lot of people leave these, these smaller churches. Um, I remember being in Colorado cause we lived in Colorado. Um, and, uh, we, we stopped going to church and, and, uh, I, I, I loved like hard rock music I, for, for a while. My, my favorite band was, uh, Lincoln Park and, and I would be in my room and I don't know if you guys know that song. <laughs> uh, it's, um, it was on their first album. I don't know. Do you guys know any, any of their songs? Which one? Lincoln, the only Lincoln album Hi Hybrid Theory. Do you guys know that that no. album? Where, I, I where remember Indian... their I remember their music, but I just can't think of their Dude, song. There's, there's there's this song where he starts going at it, bro. He's like, "Shut up when I'm talking to you. Oh, Shut okay. up." Yeah. <laughs> and I'm in my room one day, and I'm just singing that, and like I'm just like head banging. My, Did you dye your hair my, black and have I, black I, was, makeup? I had some blonde and highlights and black lipstick, and, <laughs> and and my my aunt comes in, and man, she was about to like do a, a, an exorcist performance on me, man. She wasn't even Christian, but I was just like, <laughs> "Shut up!" Right there by myself in my room. And I got, I remember coming back home, um, back, back to, to Houston and we were staying with my, my grandparents for a little bit and they were, they were the pastors and, and, um, I, I, you know, I was completely changed, you know, I, was, I had an earring and how old were you at this? I, I was 12. I had, yeah. Old. I had an earring. I had this loop earring. Did right? you have like a little motorcycle and a leather jacket and we're just, rebellious? I didn't have a leather jacket. No, no motorcycle. <laughs> I was only 12. Um, uh, but I remember I, I got sick. I, I was sick one day. And uh, my, my grandpa gets home and uh, he looks at me. He's like, you know, you're sick, right? And I was like, why? He's like, it's because that, that thing you got in your ear, that, that earring. <laughs> and I was like, it kind of made me feel, it kind of made me feel, you know, bad about myself. And, and that wasn't the first time, you know, um, I tried to find some different type of rock music. Yeah. Um, and I would, I would turn on, you know, I would turn on the, you know, the radio KSBJ and I would hear, you know, my delivery. I was like, I mean, I need something else besides this, bro. This is, I can't do this, you know? And so I tried to find, you know, some, some music that kind of reflected yeah. my taste. Yeah. And then I would jam that hardcore Christian, you know, Jeremy mu Camp. music. <laughs> Jeremy Camp. Yeah, that was one of them. Jeremy Camp saved us back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I remember. Dude, I don't get, know about that. <laughs> I would get dogged. I'd get dogged for the type of music yeah. that I listened to. And so I, I think that kind of goes to, to what you, you were saying yeah. earlier. Um, that a lot of, you know, these young people are feeling like they just can't kind of be themselves. That's good. And, and so they're finding other places, uh, to worship. Yeah. And I think yeah. a lot of these, these new churches, um, I mean, and I know that they're, they're reaching new people, new lives, yeah. but I think a lot of our young people from these smaller churches are leaving their, these mm -hmm. churches to go off to these other churches. And, you know, I don't mean to interrupt you on that, yeah, yeah. but I was going to say, it's not even necessarily churches that they're leaving to you. I was talking to someone the other day and they said, dude, I had a flat tire. And the first person I thought to call was someone from my CrossFit training. So these CrossFit like gatherings, trainings, they've mm. become a family. Yeah, yeah. And, and our generation really wants to belong. The millennial yeah. generation wants to belong, wants to be a part of a family, wants to be a part of something greater than themselves. Unfortunately, the church stopped making room from that. Yeah, I think we're doing it again. We're doing it better now. Yeah, yeah. But I think for the past, you know, twenty years, fifteen years, we didn't. We didn't make room for those people. Uh, we had these super creative people. We had people that you know wanted to do church unconventionally and in yeah. ways that it didn't look like church. Like mm -hmm. have church at clubs, have church yeah. at all these different venues, and, and it wasn't accepted. It wasn't accepted. So now we're, we're like, oh, now we're trying to play catch up. But for some of it, it's a little too late. Yeah. 
Um, uh, and it's not that it's too late where you can't change your mentality, but it's too late where we've lost those that generation. And instead of calling the church for help, they're they're calling the CrossFit community mm-hmm. because the CrossFit community is there for you. Yeah, the CrossFit community is not going to judge you. The CrossFit community. So I'm not. There's nothing wrong with CrossFit. I love CrossFit, <laughs> and I think it's incredible that yeah. they've created that culture. Yeah. However, if you notice, that culture is adopted from the church. You know, uh, that that's what we go to when when we think of being in the church. Yeah. We think of you know a family where we're able to just all have the same things alike. Yeah, we're able to just count on each other and. I think when I think of that, I think of, you know, how we need to do a better job at just making room for, I'll give an example. I remember um, specifically growing up and looking up to this drummer and he was a really well-known drummer. And I would look at his videos and I would see when he would fly back home from tour and he would be at this church with like 10 members or something. Very, very small. And then like the weekend before he was, you know, in front of 50,000 people. And I remember I would ask him like, like, how does that feel for you? Or like, why are you still even there? And he was kind of like, you know, the church never really made room for me. He's like, I'm an incredible musician, but they just didn't accept some of the sounds, some of the music that I wanted to present. Um, who made room for me was this artist. Mm-hmm. And that's why I play with him. Um, that's one thing. And the next thing is how loyal the Hispanic community is. Yeah, They're so loyal that like, they'll go to church just because mom and dad are there. Yeah. And like, I'm not saying that's wrong, but however, yeah. it's 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 difficult because you're putting a pause on your life to be faithful to a system and faithful to something that just doesn't work anymore. Yeah, good, you know, yeah. and I, and I would also I would also add that, like when I said when I said earlier about transparency, I feel like that's what's also missing. People, I think people are tired of being fake in church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah. they they people go to church and they feel like they have to put on a face on Sunday. And they have to be something or not. You know, pastor's preaching, doing whatever he's talking about. Um, and, and the truth is, man, that a lot of our, our a lot of our parishioners, people that go to our church, a lot of them are, are, are drinking the night before. A lot of them are, you know, going out, doing different things. That's the truth. You know, that's not, that's not, a, that's not. And, and the truth is, when they come to church, everyone's acting like that never happened. Everyone's acting like, you know, like they don't do these kind of things, you know. And so it's kind of like almost like this hidden secret in the church that people are not perfect, you know, and people are doing things Mm -hmm. and they're messing up and they're, but it's hard for them to talk about those things because one, if you're a leader in the church and you have some, some bad practices or you're doing some other things that aren't viewed right, you know, you can't talk about those things. Why? Because you can lose your position as a church. And so, so a lot of our churches... You can't be transparent because mm-hmm. right away, back in the day, they would put you in disciplina. They was discipline, yeah, right? Yeah. And they would put you. And what does that mean? It means that if you if you sinned or you messed up, they would put you in the front bench and forget about you. You know, right. and so they you would be in the front bench and no you, every, everyone. No yeah, there was no restor- no process of restoration. Like, what's the process of restoration, Pastor? Are you meeting with them weekly? What does that conversation look like? What is the process of restoration? It's not restoration. It's just. You messed up, and we're going to make sure that everybody knows about mm-hmm. it, so we're going to sit yeah. you in the front seat. And so the truth is that, that that's, not, that's not healthy. That doesn't, that's not conducive to, to spiritual growth. Right. You know, what, did Jesus, what was Jesus' method to, to restoration? He had a conversation, right? After Peter denied him three times, Jesus, what did he do? He had a fish fry for him. He met up and said, man, let, let's eat together. Let's hang out together. And then what did he do? He talked about it. He, he went up to Peter and said, Peter, do you love me? Like he had a real conversation with him. 
And it's one of those things where Peter's like, yeah, I love you. And what, what did Jesus do? He asked him three times, do you love me? Do you love me? And then not only did he ask him, do you love me? But he commissioned him. You know, he said, yeah. you know, feed my sheep, take care of my sheep, you know, take care of my life. So, so what do we do? We do the opposite. We sit people down. We, we take them away from ministry. We threaten to, to not let them be part of the church community anymore, right? That's not, that's not a Jesus culture. You know, mm-hmm. that's, I don't know what that is. I don't know where we got those teachings from. But Jesus was all about like, I love you, so I'm going to restore you. I know there's power in you, and that's the potential I want to call out, right? Peter, I know you messed up, but at this moment, I'm not talking about your past. I'm trying to make sure that you know what you're getting into. That's why he was like, do you love me, right? Just making sure that you understand that you're not doing it for anyone else. You're doing it because you love me. And and this thing that we're in, it's not about what our past looks like. It's about what our future deems us to be, right? It's about our potential. And that's what Jesus wants to call out. It's not, it's not, and see, that's the thing. When we talk about grace, it's not like permission to sin, and I think that that's where a lot of churches think that, oh, well, if I show grace, then they're going to keep doing it. Grace is not permission to sin. It's a reminder of, who, of how great God's love is for us, right? right. It's not yeah. that, it's not, and, and, and for us as a church, we need to be able to, to showcase love and grace. What does that look like? If someone comes to my church, like you were saying right now, A.B., if, if someone is in, is in need, or, or why shouldn't the pastor be the first one? Or why shouldn't a life group leader, or why shouldn't a, a, lead, pa- a lead person in the church be one of the first people they call? That's good. You know? we, why? Because we don't transmit love. We don't showcase love. What do we show? We, sh- we get angry. When someone messes up, first reaction of a pastor is he gets upset with them. Like, why? Because he takes it personal. When someone sins, it's not that they sinned against you pastors not that they're saying i met i had sex with this girl because i hate my pastor no it's because he's human you know they're human and what happens is because they can't talk about these lustful feelings they have because they might get scorned what happens is they they fall into sin so in other words like as for us as as forever church we want to build a community right like you were talking about a community so our our small groups are about community where we can talk man it's not listen let's talk as fellas let's talk as as stuff we're going through right what are you struggling with why so that we can be preventive man hey hey ryan you know that story you shared remind me of what I went through last year man and man I want to caution you bro I want to let me know what I can do because you shouldn't be driving alone with that girl by yourself, man. You're married. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, we're able to talk into each other's lives. But but because there's no transparency, bro, there's not... What ends up happening is we become prideful. Yeah. And if someone dares to speak into our lives, we shut them down. That's not godly, man. Yeah. We, so, need, we need conversation. So, so, so your thing is, um, you, you think the small church mentality is... is largely due to people not being transparent enough. I, I, I can I can see that because I think... I think today's, especially younger, younger mm-hmm. generation, they they need transparency. Yeah. And and they're we're more relational yeah. these days than we are traditional, yeah. right? Or, or religious. Right. Um, you know, generations in the past, they would go to church on Sundays because yeah. that's what you did, mm-hmm. right? But kind of like what you were saying earlier, yeah. AB, um, now now we live in the information age. Everyone questions everything. And so, I mean, even me, like I always question, okay, why? Why are we doing this? Why yeah. why am I doing this? Is it because it's what we've always done for you know the past 20 30 years or is it still you know serving a, a specific purpose? Um, I think a lot of people are asking that and when they don't get the answer they just 
they leave, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I think tr uh, transparency is a really big thing because mm -hmm. if, if you can create a transparent community where mm -hmm. people can talk openly um, and they're relating to each other yeah. and you know, they're making relationships, um, that's going to mend the relationship. I mean, it's going to, it's going to bring the relationship together rather than the yeah. tradition that is kind of, you know, it's obsolete these days. You, you Craig? know, I, I, real quick before you jump Go in, Abe, I was going to say, because I have, a, I have, um, a few friends, right? Friends and a few family members that know me, like know me completely inside out. They know everything. They know my faults. They know, they know me. Right. Yeah. And with them, it's funny because we can have conversations about real things that I'm struggling with. And we talk about all the ugly, right? We talk about all the, all the bad words that come out. We talk about all the lustful thoughts that I have and they know me and I'm able to have transparency and able to have that conversation. But yet I don't feel disowned by them. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like they think anything less of me. I feel loved with them. And, and I feel like, why isn't the church doing more of that? That's good. You know, that's good. That's good. Yeah. I was just going to say, <coughs> Craig Rochelle says, People will follow you because you're real, not because you're right. And it reminds me of that because you're saying that, uh, you know, people do want someone that's transparent and that's as real, as raw as you can get. And sometimes it's not accepted in the church. That's really why, why we don't do it to begin with. But I think uh, when I think of that, you know, it's, it's difficult because... Um, I grew up in that, right? Yeah. Where it's just like you have to put a facade. You kind of have to uh, pretend that everything's okay. I remember uh, a specific case where, you know, we had a strong thing happening at our house. Um, it was just an argument with, it's not that strong. I don't want to make it a bigger deal than what it is. But it was an argument with my parents. And then we would get to the church and it was like, hey, how you doing? God bless you, brother. Hey, yeah. good to see you. It's like yeah, yeah. everything was fine, but like it wasn't fine, right? Right. right. But it, it, so we should get to a place like you're saying, if I can suggest anything, yeah. get to a place as a leader, even if you're, you know, 40, 50, 60, 70 years old, whatever it is, get to a place where you can say, you know what, I'm going to be real and believe that God wants to do something in my mm. latter years. Yeah. yeah. And, and I can fix this thing. I can yeah. do, That's I can good. open my mentality. Yeah. I can open my eyes and my heart to what it is that God wants to do in this season in this year, 2019. Yeah. So. And, and, you know, and I would add just one more thing. One more thing is that, you know, adding to what you're saying, I feel like another thing that we smaller churches need to do more of mm -hmm. is intentional discipleship. Yeah. Right. So adding from all of that, right. Coming from everything we just said, transparency, focus on mission, not strategy, everything right. that AB said. Um, and then uh, intentional discipleship, you know, and by discipleship, I don't mean a class that you have once a week and people show up to, you know, that's, that's not what I mean by discipleship. I mean, I mean, who are you bringing alongside you on daily things, right? Like when yeah. you go to the supermarket, can you bring someone alongside with you, someone that you want to pour into and let them see how you interact with the cashier when she gives you the wrong change, you know? Okay. And like yeah. when you're driving someone on a street, yeah. someone yeah. cuts you off on the road, right? Like how do you respond to that? Because, man, when no one's around, we're, we'll start telling that person off, you know? Yeah, yeah. But 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 the, the, the discipleship is, listen, man, you just saw me tell that lady off, but that was wrong, yeah. you know? Shouldn't do that, man. Every, my bad. That everyone's pretty at church, bro. Yeah, yeah, everyone's exactly. pretty at church. Church is, is kind of like... You know the makeup, yeah. you know, to uh, yeah. uh, that that we wear, but like outside of it, sometimes yeah. we're like completely different, and I think that turns off uh, a lot of you know 
this this younger generation that we're trying to reach that we need to reach yeah because that um, intentional discipleship is more of like something organic that happens without you having a plan for right, it right? right that's what jesus did all he said is like hey man you guys want to come hang out follow me and they what did they do they ate with him they, they slept yeah. in the same place yeah. he talked he taught them you know and, and that's what is kind of lacking in our churches we want to we want to label discipleship as a class it's not a class it's take someone along with you mm. on the trip yeah that's good that's really good, guys. Um, solid stuff, man. Um, and, and, you know, we're, we're reaching the end here, but I, I do want to touch on a few points and see what you guys think because, uh, um, you know, smaller churches, we, uh, I, I think we just don't think big enough, you know, and, you know, we always, you always want to have a vision, right? Yeah. And I think for a lot of smaller churches, they kind of maybe, they, they lost their vision. They're just kind of yeah. doing what they've always done because it's kind of a routine thing. Um, they're not, they're not going anywhere, right? So vision is a, a really big thing. Um, but also, um, what do you guys think about like organization in in smaller churches? Um, and do you think that that plays a, a big role? And, and when I say organization, I'm just, just just for example, right? Like Sunday morning, the pastor's up there. Mm. We're, we're getting ready to dismiss. And someone from the congregation says, hey, pastor, uh, uh, announce this, right? Like that's kind of, I don't know. To me... I, I I tell I tell my, my 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 leaders, hey, don't don't do that. Like it's just I I don't like how it looks, right? And mm-hmm. so little little things like that. Yeah. Um, an issue that we had at our church for for a while, and, and not some more anymore. But um, we have a system for like checking out kids from our. our we have a kids yeah. town ministry, and um, uh, a lot of the parents would just say, oh, just 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 let my kid leave. Like I don't have to pick him up. Just I'm giving you permission, yeah. right? Yeah. Because you have that relationship like mm-hmm. I'm the leader and I know the um, the teacher right mm-hmm. so yeah just just you know just just yeah. release her when, when, when service is done but that's not that's not very you know helpful it's not safe either right it, it, it's not and 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 you don't want to get into certain habits right yeah. I think smaller churches we, we just um, we make a lot of exceptions yeah. sometimes mm-hmm. that I, I think we need to not make. Um, but because everyone knows each other, we're like, oh, it's just, yeah. it's just Milton. Yeah, he, he's cool. Um, you know, I, I think we need a little bit more order in place. I don't know what yeah. you guys uh, would say about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Christine Kane says you need spirit and truth, not one more than the other. Nice. And I think we grew up with it was like spirit, spirit, spirit. What does spirit want to say? What does he want to do? Mm. Um, no plan in place. Let me just speak the words that are coming out of my mouth and hopefully someone's going to receive. And if they don't, no one's going to complain. It's okay. No one knows any better anyways. There's no internet. What? <laughs> but anyways, and that, so, so now we're, we're realizing that we need structure. Structure is good. Uh, I remember someone, uh, I was listening to, uh, I don't know if it was a podcast or a YouTube video, but they were, they were saying, kind of criticizing uh, Joel Olstein and saying, you know, Joel Olstein doesn't listen to the Holy Spirit because mm-hmm. he yeah. prepares uh, on Tuesday. And, you know, how are you going to, like, listen to what Holy Spirit wants to do on Sunday when you're preparing on Tuesday? You're kind of watering things down. And then his response was, does Holy Spirit not speak on Tuesday? Yeah. Last time I yeah. checked, he speaks every day. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, in preparation, I'm going to deliver a message that Holy Spirit is telling me to deliver yeah. and yeah. be prepared. Yeah. 
and and make the most out of this yeah. time because I'm responsible to deliver a message yeah. that's going to draw you closer to God or to accept Jesus. Yeah. You know, that reminds me of like when when pastors would get up there and they would start to preach and they would be like, you know, God just changed my message right now. And and to I me, had, I had notes all week, but yeah. you know what? I'm scratching that. Yeah. They would rip it on stage. Yeah. And, and to me, I'm thinking I'm thinking. God is a God of order. If you would have sought Him, Those He would have given you. Yeah, <laughs> He would have given you the message you were supposed to speak. That tells me you probably weren't in sync with Him. Actually, you're, so, not yeah, you're, you're not you're prepared. Is what you're saying. Yeah, so, yeah. So to me, yeah, <laughs> so good. I never thought yeah, about that. Yeah, That's like so true. Like, yeah, because did God really give you that message the first no. time? Because if He did, then you think you God be doesn't know it. who's gonna come? And you got <laughs> you don't think God's gonna? You know, God God knows if you if you ask Him, He'll tell you this is what you, my people need. Right? Yeah. God's not gonna make a mistake. You made a mistake, and so. Right now you're blaming God. It's you. Yeah. It's your fault, Pastor Man. You need to you need to prepare. And and so like something that I, that we always talk about. And I know that my church in Galveston they practice this, and it's having a yearly plan. And not a lot of churches have a year plan, yeah. right? Everything's right. kind of on the whim. But they're trying to figure things out as they go. That's not that's not healthy. I think yeah. being intentional about every yes. single minute that you have. First of all, people are deciding to make time to come to church. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal right now. If it's 20, 30, 40, 100 people, whatever it is, people are deciding I'm taking time from a busy, busy week where I'm working. I live in the third largest city, Houston, Texas, and I'm driving through this traffic and my kids are screaming and I could could really see Lakewood online. I could see all these searches online, but I'm driving here and and I think we just need to learn – to be more effective with the yeah. time that we're given. Yeah. If it's an hour, if it's an hour and a half, whatever that looks like. Like, for example, my parents, they're church planners. They planted a church about four years ago. And when we first started, um, we had two hour and a half services. Yeah. And it got to the point where it was like, I just kind of studied the system and I studied like what we were doing, why we were doing it. Why are we you know, here for two and a half hours? Is there really a reason to be mm-hmm. here for two and a half right. hours? And I noticed that there really wasn't. There wasn't there wasn't a reason to be and, and to have someone's attention for two and a half hours when really we're just called to be the church. Yeah. You know, and, and, and to be in the building was to just come and reaffirm ourselves right. and yeah. then lead people to Jesus in that time. And and we were just not being intentional about that time. Yeah. So we went from that to now I think it's like an hour and fifteen minutes. Okay. And, and that was a change for my parents. You know, mom is sixty five years old, dad is uh, sixty six. Uh, you know, I'm, I might have got that wrong. They're probably younger than that, but uh, that's the last time I checked. But um, so they're they're older in age, but yet they're kind of like, okay, we see what God is wanting to do. Yeah. Yes, we're used to three hour services, but we're going to be more intentional yeah. about our every word we say. Be prepared yeah. and just have a plan in that's place. Huge. You know, that's even huge. even if you look at Scripture, man, you know, in First Kings, the Bible talks about King Solomon and the Queen of Sheba, right? She said, "I had only heard about your wisdom. Now I can see mm-hmm. your wisdom." How does she see wisdom? You know what I'm saying? You ever thought about that? How do you see? Wisdom, right? She came and she's easy. She, they look at Milton. <laughs> she saw wisdom. How did she see it? Because Solomon was a was a was a man that was that was in excellence, right? Yeah, yeah. And so he she noticed excellence by the uniform of his servants. She noticed excellence by the service. She noticed excellence by yeah. the kingdom. She noticed so it's it's the preparation and the planning and the That's execution, right. um, having things ready, right? And yeah. so for us, even if you want to be biblical, man, look at King Solomon, man. It's a spirit of excellence is in everything that he did. His dad had the plan and he followed it through, yeah. right? And so the dad had the schematics of the of the of, of what it was going to look like, and, and 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 so what did Solomon do? He built the temple, right? 
right? With excellence. Right. And that's what we need to have is that, like you said, A.B., you know, people are, are going to come and spend time to be to hear what you got to say. And so what are you showcasing them? And you know what's crazy is this, that People all people are bombarded with excellence everywhere they go. They, everything mm. they hear on TV, everything they hear on the radio, everything they see on the internet, yeah. everything is excellence. And then, and then they get to church. And then they get to church and they get crap. Yeah. You know, and it's like and you deal with it because you're like it's religion, it's yeah. connected to God. I don't want to disrespect it's, it. I'm not going to say it. It's dude, for, dude it's what does that yeah. say about you as a leader? First of all, you know this is God's kingdom. You know, and I, and it's not yours, bro. So don't treat it like your house. Treat right. it like God's king. Good. And that's if good. it's a kingdom, bro, that speaks of that speaks of grandeur. Yeah. You know, and so yeah. for us, we just need to we need to take this a lot more serious. That's you know, right. we need to invest in excellence. Our we need to our, our plan. Our our services need to be timed and 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 our transitions we need to work on transitions what is it going to look like for me to hand over you know the transition so someone else can come speak is there going to be dead weight dead silence you know that awkward silence or or is someone going to say like no dog plan it plan the service man and so that it doesn't take a lot for you to come in and have an order of service at seven tell the hermanas not dog like that no dog you ain't gonna come in like that dog that's good that's so good man you know someone someone told me someone told me not having uh not having a system in place yeah. is having a system it's just yeah. a dysfunctional it's a dysfunctional system. Good. and uh I like you know I, I think a lot of a lot of our systems are just yeah. they're just dis- dysfunctional if you fail to plan you plan to fail that's right um intention huge thing man i i we recently had our well back in december we planned out the year and i met with our leaders just to kind of you know be everyone's on the same page and first thing i told them like pre pre meeting i said um i i don't want to fill the calendar just to have an activity yeah right like let's be let's be intentional about everything everything that we're gonna have you know planned um we have to have the why like why is it why are we doing it yeah. what's what's the purpose and when you when you can start getting to the point where you're answering those questions effectively um i think that's when the whole ministry is going to be effective um, so we're about at 52 minutes here and, um, I wanted to keep it under an hour. So I'm going to just ask you guys if, I don't know if you guys have any, uh, closing thoughts, um, before we, we say goodbye to everyone. Yeah. I would say for the small group leaders or sorry, not small group leaders, small churches or a smaller mentality. And, uh, I'll include myself cause I was exposed to excellence. And once you're exposed to truth and excellence, mm-hmm. there's no way you can go back. Yes. There's no way. So I would, I would, you know, r- highly suggest if you haven't been outside of your church and one or two other churches that look like your churches, go somewhere else. Just, just look at what excellence looks like. You know, I, there's a couple churches here in Houston. If you're in Houston, I would highly recommend, you know, Ecclesia, yeah. Hope City, Lakewood. These are churches that God has really just shown out with Him because they've chosen to listen mm-hmm. to Holy Spirit and what yeah. He's doing in this time, in this season. And just, you know, don't be married to a system. What we're saying now is probably going to be irrelevant in the next five years. And and just be updated with that. And if I could leave you with two things, it would be just there's a blessing and excellence. And number two, make room for the next generation. So perfect. And I I would just add to that. I mean, you said it right. I, I would just add to this that there's nothing wrong with being a small church, right? 
But but there is something to say that you never grow. You know, some people say, well, we like our small church. We like it like this. Man, uh, if that was the case, none of us would be saved. If that was Jesus' mentality, yeah. that our group is fine the way it is, I'm good with these 12, you know. that That's not church. That's not discipleship. That's not godly, you know. And so Jesus' mentality was always to grow the church. And so how do we do that? We need to be intentional, right? We need to disciple people. We need to have a, a way that we win. We need to have a, a, a leadership pipeline in place right and so what does it look like for someone that goes to your church to start off with right as as someone unsaved unchurched what does his process looks like throughout till till he goes out right and so people need to be sent out and i think pastors pastors churches they get upset they get mad why is he leaving me no man bless them why because that's godly that's principle that that's that's discipleship why why else disciple them they can't go so what does the process look like from unsaved to disciple right what is the process disciple make the disciple making process look like is it reproducible is there an environment for for reproduction right and so what does that look like and then what does it look like after he's a disciple right so people need to have next steps what does it look like to grow as a disciple how is he becoming a coach how is he leading a team uh, and how is he becoming a church planner if that's the case i think that every church should be planning churches you know yeah. i think that every church should be growing and you we have so many so much potential in our churches man and they're all going to other churches that are sending them out to be church planners a lot of our hispanic great hispanic leaders have left the hispanic churches and the question we need to ask is why you know why because someone else is investing in them someone else is pouring into them. Mm-hmm. someone else is paying them for ministry yeah. when our churches have the capacity I'm not talking about churches that don't have capacity. There's small churches that have capacity to pay the people, the talent, the the, the leaders that we have in, and we don't, yeah. right? And so invest, you know, and if you can pay them, pay them, right? And, and don't let them leave out your door. What can you do? This Run it like a company. If these are the people, these are the talent, man, people over pa- paperwork, right? And so yeah. I would just say invest in a leadership pipeline, invest in discipleship. Awesome, man. So Awesome. Really good stuff. I'll just say one last thing. And it's something that I heard um, uh, repeatedly at a Jumpstart conference in, uh, in Chicago with uh, Pastor Choco. Um, I mean, love, love Pastor Choco. Dude, man. Awesome. He is one of the in- most incredible Hispanic leaders of he our is. generation. He man. is. He is. And he has a, an incredible leadership team that is like on board and they're so tight knit. There's, there's so much unity there. That's a whole nother thing that we can mm-hmm. kind of get into. But, yeah. um, one thing that they repeatedly said over and over and over again, um, was that the difference between good and great is in the details. Um, so if you can get the details fine tuned and you're paying attention to the things that normally we don't pay attention to, that's good. um, that, that's going to be the difference. And young people, our generation, we, we pay attention to those things. Dude, how many, dude, I, I scroll on Instagram and I'm like, dude, that picture is so blurry. I can't, yeah. I can't in good conscience give that a, a, a like, you know, like that's how, that's how we are, man. We're exposed to excellence. We are, we are. And yeah. so our churches need to be on that, on that level um, so that we can stay, yeah. we can stay yeah. alive, man. Guys, thank you so much for, for being with me today. I, I hope it's not the last time. Hopefully um, not. Yeah, man, you guys shared some so awesome good. insight. I want to thank Chick Fil A for being one of our sponsors. Chick Fil A is one Chick-fil-A. of the sponsors. Yeah, well, I mean, we have gift cards. I don't know if they're the sponsors or not. Yeah, enjoy those gift cards, guys. All right, guys. Uh, well, once again, thank you guys, and um, we'll we'll see you guys next time. Uh,